This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Dell lands NNSA CTS2 contract. NCAR prepares for derecho. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell, joined again by Tiffany Trader. Tiffany, This Week in HPC, a good win for Dell on the U.S. government side with the CTS2 contract from NNSA. This is a pretty significant commodity system track for the NNSA TriLab partnership that's comprising Livermore, Los Alamos, and Sandia National Labs. Uh, just a little tiny bit of background before we dig in this. So this con- this CTS2 contract, it stands in contrast to the even bigger ATS track, the Advanced Technology System. So those are systems like Trinity, Sierra, the forthcoming uh, Crossroads, and El Capitan uh, Exascale systems. So these, these systems, CTS systems, serve the capacity computing needs for the NNSA's Advanced Simulation and Computing, that's the ASC program, lots of acronyms here, um, as well as some other defense programs. So that said, um, like you said, this this CTS2 award, which we've been keeping our eyes out for, was won by Dell, and um, the minimum base contract here is valued at $40 million uh, for, for a series of systems um, over the life of the contract expected to deliver a minimum of uh, port 40 peak petaflops in aggregate. Yeah, so $40 million for 40 peak petaflops. We're looking at a million dollars a petaflop. That's a pretty good size of system. I, I'm always interested in these NNSA systems. These are systems that get used for the maintenance and modeling of the U.S. nuclear stockpile, among other things. So they're important strategic systems for the U.S. government. Now, this is not only a good win for Dell, but it's also a good win for Intel. This is going to be based on the Intel 7 Sapphire Rapids CPU with high bandwidth memory, the HBM versions of of those parts. And then there's going to be a high performance network of at least 200 gigabits per second, but they haven't announced yet who the network provider is there, presumably looking at the uh, options of uh, InfiniBand or possibly OmniPath with Cornelis Networks. Those are yeah, those are the options on the table right now that um, they haven't they haven't selected yet. They said they're looking at their options, so we can surmise that those would be the Nvidia Mellanox HDR or NDR um, or the those Cornelis um, networking OmniPath um, since they've they've taken on Intel's OmniPath business and they they currently have OPA 100 out and they expect to have OPA 400 out in roughly the Q4 2022. Um, 2023 time frame, they say. Um, as you were saying, these the, these um, Dell Power Edge systems will be primarily powered by uh, C- CP- they're primarily CPU only, ho- homogeneous CPU only. Um, a little bit more looking to exploit another round of uh, Moore's Law on this one. Uh, and then they're ma- mainly going to be powered by the Sapphire Rapids that Intel 7 CPU. And then when it becomes available, the HBM version of, of um, Sapphire Rapids, which they're uh, excited about and, and looking forward to having that that memory. Um, and then the, those components will be housed in future gen PowerEdge C6620 servers. Um, the, the, the compute nodes will be going into those uh, C6620 and then the other nodes, management, login, gateway nodes, they'll be um, put into future gen Dell PowerEdge R760 systems. So no, those, like I said, are not out yet. 
and then, and then the systems, uh, one more note on that, they will be the initial systems for CTS2 CTS will be deployed in mid-2022, uh, mid-next year, with deliveries continuing through 2025. So it goes on for a, a couple, couple, two, three years there. It's an important point and an important consideration here when we're talking about the CTS procurement systems. As you said, that's the commodity technology systems track. And what that means is that this is the system that NNSA is going to put in that has to serve the complete range of applications, know that things are going to run well on day one, and we're not trying to port things over to something that's not working yet. So having that lean toward the CPU-only configurations with with really known technologies, I, I can totally see how they get there with that. Now, nevertheless, uh, the previous CTS-1, that was uh, Penguin. Uh, were were all Intel systems. I I think this is still a noteworthy win for Dell because we've seen so many HPE uh, government installations right now. I've been starting to wonder when is Dell going to get in on the U.S. government uh, procurements because we've seen. HPE, Cray, SGI all consolidating under the HPE brand. IBM has kind of backed out of consideration. They're not really targeting high-performance computing, certainly not at this level. Dell seems like a natural fit to start filling some of these contracts to me, uh, particularly because we've seen very high-end Dell systems, world top 10 systems in uh, in uh, academia and in uh, commercial deployments it, it just we haven't seen them in the government side so getting this uh, nnsa cts2 for the dell power edge systems based on intel i think this is a good and important win for dell yeah i would um agree with you that it's a it's a big win for dell and for intel as well another te technical point to mention is that th these systems will all uh, employ direct-to-chip liquid cooling, uh, relying on products from Cool IT. Uh, I spoke with the procurement lead, Matt Leninger, from Livermore, and he said that he's seen the transition from roughly you know, just 5 to 10% liquid cooling, direct-to-direct -direct liquid cooling, to soon you know, to be 99 to 100%, um, and that's just taken place over the last 10 years or so. And he told me that the uh, those CTS-1 systems, those, those Penguin systems that they've deployed over the last five years or so were about half uh, air and half liquid, with more and more being liquid-cooled you know, as the, uh, the contract years went on. And it doesn't come as a surprise, right, with uh, the thermals and and densities on the rise and liquid cooling is, is becoming de rigueur, as uh, you, you were pointing out in, um, for another article that I, I wrote about recently on, uh, on Aztec. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're seeing liquid cooling is more and more common. And Leninger even gave you that quote in your article on HPC Wire that this is not a novel technology. We're really seeing liquid cooling as being very normal in high-performance computing right now. We've been surveying that. It's been on the rise across high-performance computing, uh, not only with the door chiller kinds of installations, but with complete facility uh, plumbing at the data center level also coming up. And that's the kind of thing that's sticky. Once you have the plumbing in your data center, well, now you're set up for liquid cooling out into the future. You were making reference to Asatech, and that, that was interesting that Asatech announced that they've, they're have uh, they intentionally backing away from high-performance computing, saying that there's not enough of a market there to justify that investment for them. That's not really um, in sync with our data that shows liquid cooling continuing to rise and, and cool IT uh, pounced right on 
on it and said, you know, they're going to have a banner year this year. So uh, to me, it doesn't look like it's it's a too small a market as much as maybe they were just getting out competed there. Yeah, indeed. It was an interesting series of announcements. You know, Asetech was a pretty big, big name in uh, liquid cooling. You walk around the show floors, you know, you see their their uh, their their gear all around. So, um, but yep. Meanwhile, like you said, the uh, this other um, company, uh, Cool IT, had a had a had a said they're having a great year. Um, there's been some talk that you know they have they have a um, doing some of the work for Cray. So I think maybe that they're being lifted by you know the Exascale contracts there. So it's a good year for them. And then you know they're they're going to be involved in the CTS2 contract as well. Okay, Tiffany, and then also this week in HPC, we've got a new system getting ready to go into NCAR as they've got a new system called Derecho, which is going to be their third generation supercomputer for weather and climate modeling. Yeah, it seems we, we can't go too long on this podcast without without seeing another, another win, um, another week, another win for HPE, um, adding to some other recent uh, wins they've had, like Polaris and Crossroads, and not to mention all three of the uh, the Exascale systems and Perlmutter. But this system, Derecho, um, is going to be deployed at uh, NCAR. That's the National Center for Atmospheric Research. It's going in there next spring, and it is the center's third major installation since 2021, uh, or I should say 2011. Uh, Derecho is, uh, comes from the Spanish, fast refers to a fast-moving straight-line windstorms. Uh, this this system will be predominantly powered by third-gen uh, AMD Epic Milan CPUs and combined with NVIDIA A100 GPUs. Uh, there's two different configurations. There's a CPU-only dual-socket nodes, and then there are 82 single-socket um, hybrid nodes with uh, four A100s on those. And in total, the, uh, the system has um, 328, uh, a 140 gig GPUs and a little over 5,000 Milan CPUs, and all that's going to be connected by the HPE Slingshot V11 networking interconnect. Yeah. So as you point out, another great win for HPE, and they, I noted that they do have the Slingshot in there. I think there's another great win for AMD, of course, with the Epic Milan CPUs. We just see them continuing to grow uh, in this market. AMD just had its second annual HPC user forum to target its high-performance computing customers, just staying on that drumbeat of high-performance, high-performance, high-performance. Now, it's not an all-AMD environment here. The GPUs are going over to NVIDIA. You took note that uh, with the A100 GPUs from NVIDIA, um, that this isn't the most recent 80-gigabyte GPU, that this is still sticking with the 40-gigabyte A100 GPU parts. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. So this this is another system that will still be on the those older 40 gig, gigabyte uh, GPU parts, and we're still seeing a lot of those there in use at Perlmutter, at NERSC, uh, uh, and then uh, they were recently announced with the Polaris system that's going to be installed at Argonne next year. Um, and been, but meanwhile, we see a lot of, of NVIDIA DGX systems um, that it's the NVIDIA has deployed using the larger memory 80 ones, and so those those debuted. A year ago, they debuted last November, and I think that's a little bit of a a, tr- a new um, a new pattern. I think in the past, you know, when you when you have those increases, um, you wouldn't necessarily still see the older parts being used uh, a year later. So I think that's a new an, um, another another choice in purchasing to get get that optimal price performance point when you're when you're looking to buy these big systems. 
Yeah, I think you're right about that, that we could be getting into an era with certain types of these processing elements where just like you don't always see the highest bin processor go into uh, an HPC cluster for price performance reasons, there might be a reason to balance on something else. We could see that with overlapping generations of processing elements, in this case with the GPU. Yeah, the new GPUs are out there, particularly if there's any kind of constraint on the supply side, it might be more price performance effective to uh, stick with the previous generation, in this case, the, the 40 gigabyte A100s. Yeah, good point. There, there certainly are some, some of those supply side challenges uh, going on right now. So, um, uh, you know, another thing, uh, this uh, the combined hardware on this system is going to deliver uh, nearly 20 peak petaflops. So that, that more than triples the performance that they had with the predecessor, Cheyenne, which had about five peak petaflops and nearly nearly five uh, Limpac Petaflops. Um, Cheyenne was built by uh, SGI and installed in um, in late 2016. I think one last thing I would like to point out with regard to this is, uh, you know, it's NCAR, so they're going to have an emphasis on power efficiency and, you know, where can it be green. Your interview with Irfan Elahi, uh, he talked about delivered application performance per watt. That could also have been part of the calculus in going with the 40 gigabyte GPUs if they were delivering better power efficiency for delivered application performance for their applications. That would have been uh, very attractive to NCAR. One final thing I'll say since we've been talking about the GPUs, big time congratulations for Jensen Wong, the CEO of NVIDIA, getting not only getting named to the very influential Time 100 list of the 100 most influential people in the world, but even being one of the few who are making the cover on newsstands. I think that is very cool and big congratulations to uh, to Jensen there. I like the Time 100. I think that's a major achievement. Mm. Yeah, and let's just circle back and spend just a minute on those important NCAR operation, uh, applications. Derecha will, of course, be put to task on a range of environmentally environmental focus applications and, and relating to severe weather uh, and climate change. Um, some of the applications listed in uh, my editor, uh, Oliver, and some of the applications listed in our editor, Oliver Peckham's article, uh, include water availability, wildfires, um, renewable energy, so solar storms, and others. And we, we were talking about this a little bit earlier in you know, here in uh, you and I were saying here in here in California, where we both live, you know, we we certainly know all about these uh, some of these tenuous uh, climate situations um, that you know we, we've experienced several of these things, and so we're, it's good good to see that there's a focus on these issues, on these uh, important uh, research areas. Yeah, as Californians, yours and my eyes both went to two of those same things, water availability and wildfires. We're in drought in, in California, and if someone could send us some rain, that would sure be nice. We could use it in multiple ways around here. Yep, indeed. All right, our listeners can get more details on these and other stories on HPC Wire. Tiffany, thanks for wrapping up the stories with me, and thanks to you for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.